0: Please take your Bible and turn to 1st John chapter number one, if you would, 1st John chapter one. And I'm glad you're here, and it's it's an honor to be with you in your your chapel time today. 1st John chapter one, look at verses one through three, if you would. The Bible says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and shown to you that eternal life. Which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. That ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father, with his Son, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me before we look at God's word? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Every day we have is such a, a gift. And I thank you for the gift of today. I thank you for this time, uh, Lord, that we could meet here and Luke look at your word uh, for guidance, for help, uh, for strength, for the journey. And, Lord, we ask your blessing on it. We know that your word will not return void, but that you will accomplish your purpose in our lives. And we pray that that would be the case today. I thank you for this place, and I thank you for each student that is here. And I pray, Lord, your blessing on their lives. Help us, we pray. Lord, to be with all of our hearts, to strive to be more of the Christians you have saved us to be. And we'll thank you for what you do in our hearts and lives in this hour. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. What a collection uh, the 12 disciples were. And I'm sure you've considered these, these men, 12 ordinary men, but they were used extraordinarily to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. I love that statement. I mean, think that these men so incredibly impacted their world and our world for God. At least seven of those men were fishermen. One was a tax collector, one a political zealot. Uh, But even though this diverse group was so largely overlooked in their day, God used them in an incredible way, in an amazing way. And you look at the 12, then you go to the three. There were three that, no doubt, stood out among the rest. The Apostle John, along with Peter and James, were considered to be the inner circle from among the twelve. These three were alone with Jesus Christ in times of ministry with no other representation of disciples. These three, Peter, James, and John, they were there when Jesus healed Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter 8. They were there at the mountain of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. They were there with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as you read about that uh, near the crucifixion in Matthew chapter 26. And then you take those three, then you go down, and I want to talk to you about John, the beloved apostle. Of course, John and James' his brother, they were known as the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. And of course, John was the human pin for this book. But I love the fact that these are not John's words, they're God's words. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's all Scriptures God breathed. Holy men of God spake as they are moved by the Holy Ghost. And John penned first to third John. He penned the Gospel of John. He penned Revelation. He was clearly a man that was greatly used by God. And think about this. Although greatly advanced in age when he penned this epistle, he was still actively ministering to churches. You know, as the last remaining apostle, John's testimony was greatly sought after. Uh, People went to John. They wanted to hear from John. They wanted to speak with John, this one who had this firsthand experience with Jesus Christ. And what a blessing to think about that. John sat with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He prayed with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He unquestionably, he knew Jesus Christ. And he knew him personally. And the issue that had arisen in those days was there was false teaching regarding Jesus Christ. There is false teaching about Christ's deity that was being spread in those days. And John stood strong for truth. John stood fastly for truth and John combated this false teaching. You see, John knew Jesus Christ and John loved Jesus Christ dearly. Of course, this was acknowledged by Jesus Christ as he, Christ, was dying on the cross and trusting the care of his own mother to the Apostle John. John was a great man of God. He was a, a man that was used by God in an unbelievable way. He was the pen for these words of 1 John. And I want to look at them with you this morning because they are really, in many ways, a testimony of John's life. Look at it, with, if you would, again, in verse, number one of 1 John chapter 1. John says that which was from the beginning. Now please notice with me, there's no greeting here. There's no salutation here. John just comes right out of the gate dealing with an issue that was very near and dear to his heart. And John made it very clear, right out of the gate, he said, look, God's Son has come to earth. God is not a God that is disinterested. God is not a God that is unconcerned about the world that he created. By the way, he's not disinterested in you. He's not unconcerned about you. And God was so interested and God was so concerned that God loves you so much that God sent his son and proved his love by dying on the cross of Calvary. I mean, he loves you today. Please remember that. He cares about you today. He knows every need you have today. He knows every burden you carry today. He knows your name today. And that's a wonderful blessing to hold on to. I love 1 John 4.10. The Bible says this, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Romans 5.8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So John's testimony is very clear. His testimony is, look, God's Son has come into the world. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. Remember, the the Word has always existed. I love the words, that which was from the beginning. It's very, very clear. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things are made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. I mean, Jesus Christ is somebody. And the point is clear. From the beginning, Christ was there. He did not have a beginning. He was never created. He was from the beginning with God because he was God and he is God. Jesus Christ, he's God. And John looks back with great fondness on the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. He looks back with great fondness on this time that he had been an eyewitness of. You have to understand what he's saying. Jesus Christ was not somebody that John had been told about. John was there. He was personally there. And as you look at this passage of Scripture, as John looks back on his relationship with Jesus Christ, it's very clear that John never got over his relationship with the Lord. And neither should we. And if you want to stay close to God in your life, If you want your Christian experience to continue to be a vibrant one. Then every one of us should take time to look back and remember. To remember the day that he saved you. To remember what he saved you from. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ changed my life. I grew up a pastor's kid, I grew up in a Christian home, I graduated from a Christian school, I went to a Christian college, I graduated from a Christian college, I taught in a Christian college for four years, and then I got saved. May 13, 1990. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm not everything I ought to be. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm a far cry from what I used to be. And that's what, the, that's what God does. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, and when a man or a woman forgets all that Jesus Christ has done for them, you're headed toward the weeds. You're, you're headed off track. You're headed off course. And when we do not keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and remember the many things he's done, and he's done many things, hasn't he? It's then that ingratitude begins to creep in. It's then that apathy begins to creep in. It's then that that doubt can even begin to find its way into my life. By the way, that's exactly what happened to the church in Ephesus. They lost their first love for Jesus Christ. And in the busyness of your college schedule, and I, I get it, there's so much going on, so much to keep up with. Not just in school, but you have your job, and then you've got church responsibilities, so much happening in the busyness, it's easy to become distracted, isn't it? So I have to ask you, was there a time when your love for Christ was more vibrant than it is today? Was there a time when your heart burned for the things of Christ, but you've kind of grown stale? Indifferent? Maybe even cold or hard? You know, I like to ask people this question, how long have you been saved? They say, well, I've been saved 10 years or I've been saved 15 years and then my next question is this, hey, look, have you grown each of those 10 years or 15 years or have you repeated that first year 10 or 15 times? Where are you trending today? I mean, you might say, well, I want to be here in my Christian life, but I'm right here, and then this person, they're down here, and you say, well, which one has the more vibrant Christian walk? I don't know. This person may be heading this way, this person might be heading up. So the question is, where are we at today? Where are our lives today? By the way, we need to know that we've been saved. And then once we've been saved, we need to do everything we can to, to have a vibrant walk with God, to, to be right with God, to be close to God. I can, I can remember so clearly my dad saying, son, the Bible says the chief end of man is to glorify God. And then he'd look at me and say, and Tim, how are you doing with that? But look what John continues to say in that verse, verse one. That which is from the beginning, Then he says, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. It's believed that this book was written between 85 and 90 A.D. There's false teaching that, that attacked the truth about Jesus Christ that had been creeping in. False teaching that attacked the Lord's deity. False teaching that attacked his humanity. Men were teaching some that that Christ was God, but he was not a man at all. And others were saying he was a man, but he was not God at all. And John penned these words to refute these teachings. This false doctrine. And we need to remember, if Jesus Christ had not been born of a virgin, then he would be just like any of the rest of us. If Jesus Christ had a sin nature, was not sinless, he would not have been able to redeem us. But Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins, for all of our sins, because Jesus Christ is God. And you look at John, and I I think back to late February of 1836 as a small group of men uh, were gathered in the Alamo. And William B. Travis and Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie and some others were there. And it came to the place where they began to realize there was no help coming. There were no reinforcements coming. And the story is told that William B. Travis took out his sword and he drew a line in the sand. And he told these men that were there in the Alamo, he said, look, we're going to die here. But I need to know from you, which side of this line do you stand on? Are you going to be with me? Are you going to stay here? Are you going to fight to the death? are you going to stay on that side of the line? And John draws a line of sand right here. And he says, you know what? There's no waffling. There's no debating. He says, I just want to share with you my personal experience testimony, my eyewitness testimony regarding Jesus Christ. Look at the words he said, that which we have heard. He said, look, let there be no misunderstanding here. I have met Jesus Christ personally. You can say what you want to say. I hear what you're saying. I hear your your fantastic tales. But I want to tell you something. I have personally heard Jesus Christ myself. In fact, John recorded more that Jesus personally said than any of the disciples. John heard Jesus speak. John heard him speak time and time again. John clearly, unequivocally said, I have heard him, I have heard him, I have heard Jesus Christ speak the words of life. Thousands heard him, but for three years, John and the apostles, along with many others, they were in constant conversation with Jesus Christ. They, they listened to him. They, they hung on every word. And John says, look, you say what you're going to say, but I've heard him. And then he said, that which we have seen with our eyes. John said, I haven't just heard him. I haven't just heard him speak. I've seen him. I've seen Jesus Christ personally. With my own eyes, I saw him. He was not a phantom. He was not a ghost. He was not a, a spirit. He was, he was real. He said, I, I saw him. He said, yes, we were ear witnesses. I heard him, but we were eyewitnesses too. I physically saw Jesus Christ. I, I watched him multiply a boy's lunch and feed over 5,000 people. We watched him give hearing to those who had been deaf. We watched him. We physically saw him give sight to those who had been blind. We watched him raise the dead. We witnessed him turn water into wine. We watched him still the storm with his words. We personally saw him live a sinless life, and then bleed and suffer and die for the sins of the world on the cross. We physically saw him after he physically rose from the grave. We have seen these things, and we saw them with our own eyes. You have not physically seen Jesus Christ, but we can see him with the eyes of faith. Oswald Sanders said, Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present. The invisible is seen. Through faith in the Lord, we can see what others cannot see. By faith, Noah saw a coming judgment. By faith, Abraham saw a future city. By faith, Joseph saw the exodus from Egypt. By faith, Daniel and the three Hebrew children saw God's control over their lives. By faith, Moses saw God. And we can see Him who is invisible through the eyes of faith. I'm so thankful. Praise God. that doubts have been settled. I know. I know it's real. And then John said something very interesting. He said, we've heard him. We've seen him. And he said, that which we've looked upon. It's a little puzzling, isn't it? He already said, we've personally seen Jesus Christ. And now here he is saying that we we looked upon, we looked upon him and you say, Well, why would he say the same thing again? Why would he be repetitive here? Why would he be repeating something that he's already made clear? Well, I want to tell you the word seen means to see with physical sight. The words looked upon are far stronger. the words looked upon would mean much more than a passing glance the words looked upon would be speaking of a steadfast searching gaze a gaze which seems to which strains and looks to discover something of the mystery of christ to to study him to understand him the same word is found in john 114 where it says we beheld his glory We will never really understand Christ if we just glance at him. If you really want to know Christ, you've got to look intently. You've got to look deep. Like the apostle Paul, who said that I may know him. Is that your prayer? Is that our heart's deep desire? Well, I'm going to read so I can check off the list that I've read. No, I want to read so I can know him. I want to talk with him so that I can know him. And then John said, our hands have handled the word of life. He said, look, not only do we hear God, we, we even touched him. For three years, we scrutinized him closely. We We're with him, we walked with him, we watched him, we talked with him, we we ate with him, we even touched him. And John said, I hear what you're saying, but I got to tell you something, Jesus Christ is real. He said, I spent every waking moment of three years with him. He changed our lives, he changed my life. He says, nothing you could say that could make me doubt that. When we know Christ, there's nothing anyone say that can make us doubt that. I tried to change my life. I tried and tried and tried and I could not change my life. But I'm so thankful Jesus Christ changed his lives. But I want you to notice what John goes to next, because this is really important. In verse two, he said, for the life was manifested. We have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. Verse 3 that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. I mean, please understand the disciples had no doubt, they were convinced. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ sealed it. Peter clearly understood who Jesus was. Think back to when the scoffers turned their backs on the Lord. Jesus asked the disciples, are you going to leave too? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. The disciples heard Jesus and they believed Jesus. And this morning we say amen to all that. And we should. And Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. And he did come and he did live a sinless life and he did die on the cross. I mean, just think of everything he went through. His body was so brutally beaten that the psalmist said he was plowed. His body was plowed. His visage was more marred than any man. His countenance more marred than any man. It was unbelievable what he went through for us. And we should say, I'm so thankful for what Jesus Christ did for me. I'm so thankful that he saved me. I believe he's real. I believe he changed my life. I believe he can change people's lives. And we should say amen to that. But you need to notice something. The disciples not only believed all this. They bore witness of it. With every opportunity they shared, they talked about, they spread what they knew to be true. They just couldn't help but speak the things that they had seen and heard. There's nothing more important than knowing Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? And then doing everything we can to make Jesus Christ known. Roger Sims was hitchhiking his way home and he would never forget the day. It was May 7th. His heavy suitcase made Roger tired. He was anxious to take off his army uniform once and for all. Flashing the hitchhiking sign to the oncoming car, he lost hope when he saw that it was a brand new Cadillac. To his surprise, the car stopped. The passenger door opened. He ran toward the car, tossed his suitcase in the back, and he thanked the handsome, well-dressed man as he slid into the front seat. Going home for keeps? Sure am, replied Roger. Well, you're in luck if you're going to Chicago. Well, I'm not quite going that far. Just a little outside Chicago. Do you live in Chicago? He said, well, I have a business there. My name is Hanover. After talking about many things, Roger, a Christian, felt a compulsion to witness to this 50-ish, apparently successful businessman about Jesus Christ. But he kept putting it off. You know, what is he going to think? Is he going to make me get out of the car? Is he going to get upset at me? He He kept putting it off until he realized he was 30 minutes from home. It was now or never. So Roger Sims cleared his throat and he said, Mr. Hanover, I'd like to talk to you about something that's very important. He then proceeded to explain the way of salvation, ultimately asking Mr. Hanover if he would like to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. To Roger's astonishment, the Cadillac pulled over to the side of the road. Roger thought he was going to eject him from the car, but to his astonishment, the businessman kept listening very intently and he bowed his head right there in the car and he accepted Jesus Christ. He said, Roger, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Five years went by, Roger married, had a two-year-old boy in a business of his own. Packing his suitcase for a business trip to Chicago, he found the small little business card that Hanover had given him five years before. And so when he got to the city, he looked up Hanover Enterprises. A receptionist told him he could not see Mr. Hanover, but he could see Mrs. Hanover. A little confused as all that was taking place, he was ushered into a lovely office and found himself facing a keen-eyed woman in her 50s. She extended her hand. And she asked, you knew my husband? Roger said, yes, your husband gave me a ride when hitchhiking home after the war. Can you tell me when that was, Roger? It was May 7th, five years ago. The day I was discharged from the Army, is there anything special about that day? Roger hesitated. Should I mention the fact that I shared the gospel with Mr. Hanover And since he'd come so far, he thought, well, I'll just take the plunge. He said, Mrs. Hanover, I explained the gospel of Jesus Christ to your husband. He pulled over to the side of the road, and wept against the steering wheel. He gave his life to Jesus Christ that day. Explosive sobs shook her body. Getting a grip on herself, she sobbed and said, Roger, I prayed for my husband's salvation for years. I just believed that God would save him. And Roger said, but wh- where is your husband, Mrs. Hanover? And she said, Roger, he's dead. He was in a car crash that day after he let him out of the car. He never made it home. And I am convinced that God allows people to cross our paths so that you and I can share the gospel with them. And I have to ask you this question, are you perhaps the only hope for someone to hear the truth? You might say, well, hey, I know Christ. I've been saved for this many years, I I know the Lord. Yeah, well, but like John the Apostle and Roger Sims, are you making Jesus Christ known? I told that very story to our church on a Sunday. And that story so impacted me. And I began to think about that story. I began to ponder that story. And I, I remembered a story that a pastor had told in our church about a pastor who lived near an elderly lady. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I love to give out gospel tracts. It's one of the, my goals in my life to not miss a day. And I haven't missed a day this year of giving out a gospel tract to somebody and trying to engage someone in conversation about the Lord. But this pastor told this story and it really was really hard hitting and convicting. He told the story about this pastor who was uh, neighbors with this elderly lady and they embraced this lady and were kind to her. And uh, boy, they shared holidays together and birthdays and she really became part of the family maybe you've heard the story after about 5 years this pastor felt like he's I've got to give this, this this woman the gospel and so one day he said to her he said he said I have to talk to you about something and she said what's that he said I need to share with you something that's very very important and he gave this elderly neighbor the gospel and she looked at this pastor And as I remember the story, she asked this question. So you're telling me if I accept Jesus Christ, I'm going to heaven. And if I don't, I'm going to hell. Is that what you're telling me? And he said, yes. And then she looked at him and said, and you've known that for five years and you haven't told me? You're no friend of mine. Please leave my house and never come back. And I'm thinking about this Roger Sims story and then I'm thinking about that story and it's just kind of churning in my heart and I want to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I really do. And I've gone up and down my street a couple of times. I've given tracts to everyone that lives in my street. But just the Saturday after the Sunday where I shared that story in church, I was out in front of my house. I was moving my wife's car. And I have a neighbor that lives directly across the street from me. and He was sitting out in front of his house, which is unusual because I almost never come across this neighbor. He's lived there for a number of years and he worked midnights for many years and then he changed his schedule where he goes to work at four in the morning and we just, we just never see each other. And I saw my neighbor sitting out in front of his house on a chair and the Holy Spirit of God impressed my heart and said, go give him a track right now. I already given up my tracks for the day. More than one. But I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me to go give the man a track. So I walked over to my neighbor and I said, I said, hey, I said, I live right across the street. And he goes, yeah, I know. And I said, you know, I need to give this to you. It's a little pamphlet from our church that has an invitation to our church on the inside. But if you look further in that invitation, there are some Bible verses that tell you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. And he looked at me and asked me a question that I'll never forget as long as I live. My neighbor looked at me and he asked, after all this time? After, after all this time, you're going to give me that? My heart dropped. And I remember the story that I'd heard already. I thought, Tim, that's you. And I said, well, I am very sorry. But I said, I know God wants me to give that to you. And then he asked me a second question. He said, how could you know what I'm going through? I said, I don't know what you're going through. I just know God loves you. And God wanted to give that to you today. I said, could I ask you this? I said, if you died today, are you absolutely certain you go to heaven? He said, no, I go to hell. I said, well, could I take the Bible in a few minutes, show you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven? And his wife walked out in the garage and she said, well, I'll tell you what we're going through. She said, we're splitting up. In fact, the house is going on the market. We're done. We're having a yard sale. We're gonna clean up the stuff, We're, we're, we're done. I said, would you please come with him to my house and let me take the Bible and show you, just let me take the Bible and show him how he can know for certain he's on his way to heaven. And she said, yes. They sat down at my kitchen table. And I gave this couple, about 60 years of age, I gave this couple the gospel. And as I'm nearing the end of giving the gospel, this man's wife, she starts weeping. And I just didn't really know, but I knew God was directing me to focus on Him, and so I focused on Him, and I asked Him this question, would you like to accept Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Savior? He said, yes, I would. This is Sunday afternoon now. We met the next day and he prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as his heart as his personal savior. And I looked at his wife and she said, well, you know, I, I just believe I made a decision for that a long time ago, but I've drifted far, far from God. I said, well, would you work on this marriage if I helped you? And she said, absolutely. Well, the next day. My neighbor walks over, he says, Tim, I got to tell you something. I said, what? He said, well, number one, I just I read the whole book of John already. He said, number two, I did all 80 of those questions you gave me. He said, what's next? I talked a little more. He said, I got to tell you something else that's really weird. I said, what's that? He said, every day when I get up to go to work in the morning, I would play casino games on my phone. He said, something this morning told me you need to delete all those. So I did. I said, so what are you going to do instead of that? I'm just going to read my Bible. So they came to church. The couple came to church. And the next week, their daughter came with them. She's 32 years of age. She came with them. And after church, she came up to me and she said, Pastor Tim, can I talk to you tomorrow? And I said, sure. And she came to my office and she said, I just have to tell you what's happened in Randy's life is undeniable. She said, he is not the same guy. I need what he has. And so she prayed and she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. Friday of that week, Randy texted me and says, hey, I need to ask you something. I said, what's that? He said, my wife wants to talk to you too. So she came to my house that day and she said, hey, I know what I said to you, but I don't have what they have. I, 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 don't, I don't have that. I, I need that. I mean, his life has changed so unbelievably. I, I, I don't know how to tell you. I mean, I just, I don't have that. I need that. So she accepted Christ. And then the next Sunday, all three of them came to church. I watched during the prayer and they all three stood there and held hands together during prayer. And all three of them followed the Lord and believers baptism. I think we have a picture of that. Do we have that? All three, Randy, Melody and Ashley. I have a question for you though. Who would look at you and say, after all this time? Someone said this, it does not matter how eloquently you speak, how beautifully you sing, how precisely you organize, how gifted and talented you might be. If you're not endeavoring to lead people to Jesus Christ, you're not right with God. I heard someone else say this week, When it comes to telling people about Jesus Christ, you have two choices. (coughs) Choice number one is either say the Bible's a lie and Jesus Christ lied and there's no heaven and there's no hell. It's all a fairy tale. Or number two, do everything you can to tell everyone you can about Jesus Christ. And there's no acceptable third option. So let me ask you this. Who is it today that could look at you and look at me and say, after all this time? You've worked with me for all this time? You've walked into this restaurant all this time? You've lived near me all this time? You've come to this bank all this time? The Bible says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So I have a couple questions and I'm done. Who is it today that we need to shed tears for? Let me ask you this question today. It's so easy to become professional. You know, I'm a Bible college student. You know, we've got our times when we go. You know, I do my soul winning on this time and this way. That's when I do it. But no, wait a minute here. Who is it we need to come down to this altar today and pray for and say, God, please save my brother. God, please save my sister. God, please save my mother. God, please save my dad. God, please save my neighbor. God, please Who is it that we just need to go to and just decide that we're going to share Jesus Christ with them? It's time. If not you, then who? If not here, then where? If not now, then when? When? After all this time, AFTER ALL THIS TIME, AFTER ALL THIS TIME, GOD HELP THAT NOT TO BE OUR STORY. JUST LAST NIGHT I WENT TO A RESTAURANT TO PICK SOMETHING. I WALKED TO THE COUNTER. I SAID, COULD I GIVE THIS TO YOU? AND SHE ASKED, SHE SAID, IS THAT SPANISH TOO? I SAID, ABSOLUTELY. I said, when you look on the inside of this, and I showed it to the lady that was there. I said, there's some Bible verses that tell you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. And she, I said, my name is Tim, my phone number's right there. If you, if you have a question, I'd love to help you with that. And she said, thank you, Tim. After all this time,